the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. For some, we read, it was the end of a long day, as Luke chapter 2 begins. Fatigue and frustration from travel had given way to the wearisome stupor of putting one step in front of the other in hopes of finally reaching a place of rest. And yet, even as the destination was reached, the, ra the remaining journey had not yet ended as the town itself was brimming with people and there was no place yet to find rest among those displaced due to the census. For others, we can imagine that as they arrived in town, um, they were rejuvenated. We can env envision that they'd seen family and friends that they had not yet uh, embraced in some time. And so perhaps it was a wonderful time to gather and be in the company of those with whom they had missed for some season. And yet for others, perhaps as um, others rolled into town, uprooting their familiar routines with the extra voices of animals and the hum of conversation, it just added a bit more of a frantic pace to their already regular rhythm that was sun up to sundown in the midst of their livelihood. Now it entailed taking care of extra guests, extra animals, extra people, and it added a little bit of extra stress, to say the least, upon them all. And yet for others we read that it was just another ordinary day. For those shepherds, at least initially, gathered on the hillside, this evening was no different than the evening before. The day had drawn to a close, the night began, and they would soon take a watch in the night and hopefully gather some semblance of sleep and rest in the midst of a livelihood and a vocation that did not have hours or clocks, but was a constant watching and waiting over their flock. And yet it's in the midst of these stories, in the midst of these vignettes, some ordinary, some extraordinary, some with a frantic pace, some in a familiar setting while others are in a foreign one, that another story begins to emerge. Yet one that's so subtle, so succinct, it could almost be missed. At least in Luke's account, there, verse 7 gives us just one passing line, which simply states, And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling, in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger. And with that, in enters the incarnation. In enters to the story, God himself, Jesus Christ. Entering so quietly, at least initially, that he could be missed. Yet what's not missed in the building up, in the prelude, if you will, um, to that verse are all the stories that lead up to his. So as to say that for this generation and every generation thereafter, someone could look at that story and say, I get that. I know what that looks like. Sure, it's in a different time, in a different place than where we live, but we can identify, perhaps at a, a different place each year even, what that might look like for us. Into the scene, into our scene, into our story, steps 
the incarnation steps Jesus. And at least not initially. There aren't miraculous signs and wonders. But into the stories that we know, the rhythms we feel, the frustrations and fatigue and the pain, the sorrows, and the joys and the triumphs, Jesus enters the scene. Sure, there's that business of hanging extra out in front of ordinary, which is to come a bit later. But initially, initially we catch snapshots of lives that we can relate to. And so this Christmas, might I begin by asking you this evening, where in the midst of all of these stories does yours begin? Where do you encounter the incarnation as it enters this night? Perhaps you're like the wearisome Holy Family. It's been a long season, perhaps at work or just in a season of life that we're in. Perhaps for others, we can relate to what it means to be displaced. Maybe not physically, as those among the census, but something's a bit different. Something is a bit uh, amiss. Maybe someone is a bit amiss or missing this Christmas. It's a season that brings with it the joy of Christmas, but yet, in the midst of it, something's not quite altogether right. For others, perhaps, as with and in my household with a five- and six-year-old, it always brings joy and excitement, unbounding each Christmas. A chance to regather with family and friends, seeing cousins they haven't seen in quite some time, connections and touch points. And so there's a lot of tugging at where we're going next, what it will look like, how long we'll be there, and do we have to leave. Brimming with excitement, perhaps that's where we are. For others, perhaps... It's a bit of a frantic pace. We want to enter into the joy of the season. We want to enjoy it. We want to slow down, but it seems as though, like those townspeople receiving guests, that it's a bit more harried and frantic than it's been in the past, and we hope that we can engage in it a bit more fully. And perhaps for still others, it's just ordinary. Nothing extra about it. It's a Friday. Sure, perhaps you had the day off, or you got out a little bit earlier, but in 48 hours, it goes back to a regular routine, just as it did before. And yet, into those stories, just as in this initial um, picture of the incarnation that we can identify with, into our stories, in enters Jesus. So where does Jesus meet your story tonight? What does that look like? I think it's worth taking inventory because at this time of year, we often feel as though we should feel certain things. Things should look or be a certain way. Um, and perhaps they are, at least on the outside, but not fully on the inside. Or maybe everything is all right and it is a joyful season. We go through different stretches in life. But wherever we are, wherever our story is tonight, it's there that in steps Jesus. If joyful, in enters Jesus. If overwhelmed, in enters Jesus. If frantic, in enters Jesus. If painful, in enters Jesus. If ordinary, even, dare I say, mundane, in enters Jesus. Entering sometimes unannounced, so quietly, 
at least initially, that we may not even see him. But for others, their stories, ours, whether ordinary or extraordinary as it was for those shepherds, it's there that Jesus comes. It's there that we encounter him. And there that we have a pivot and a choice to make. Because from that initial encounter comes an outcome that we must square up against, as it did for those shepherds, which indeed their story was one that had far more than an ordinary in it. In fact, if this angelic host had not burst onto the scene, it would have been altogether missed. Perhaps for them, all they would have seen is a little extra light off in the distance in town, but otherwise it may not have meant anything different than the day prior. And yet for them, for them, those who are out in the midst of their work, in the midst of the ordinary, out from the darkness bursts a glorious light. An evening, in a morning, a new day, just as in that first beginning in Genesis. But this time, as the darkness is chased away by God's glorious light, God himself doesn't stand over and against his creation, but he steps right into it in order to redeem it and renew it. And so for the shepherds, that angelic chorus can't help but be squared up against. They don't miss it. It's quite extraordinary. It's quite miraculous. But then conversely, for those in town, at least initially, everything else looks altogether the same. Yet into the scene bursts the shepherds, not the angelic chorus. And the chorus of the shepherds we see brings with it all sorts of uh, descriptors in the text. After that encounter, they themselves, the shepherds that is, haven't yet even encountered Jesus Christ, but they want to see what is next. And so off they go, telling everyone within close proximity what they had just witnessed. Those who had perhaps heard the cries of a newborn or at least seen them roll into town, but now, now they know that this is something quite different than just another child. This child, this child is God incarnate. God made man, the one who stood over the world when it was spoken into being and now who stands crying into the world in at least initially an unspectacular way, but then in the most spectacular way would grow and redeem it. A new day had indeed dawned. And so we see in this passage as it closes in verses 17 and following all the gathering in of the responses, do we not? Those who heard wondered at what they were told. Mary pondered and treasured all these things in her heart. The glorifying, the awe, the wonder of everything that had been seen and witnessed is just the beginning of what would unfold in the years to come and then certainly reach its culmination upon the cross. You see, for each, though, the initial encounter led to something far greater, a choice of theirs that they had to embrace. But the same is no less true for us today. What will our response be? Certainly from that initial encounter with the incarnation, then comes another question, which is, will we embrace the incarnation? Will we um, embrace it more fully as we see that our stories can be so intertwined 
with Jesus' story this evening, either for the first time or the 51st time, as we grow to embrace him more wholly in our hearts and lives. If perhaps you've never made a choice to fully embrace him, as you encounter him this night, I pray that you'll consider that, or at least not leave the place here without taking the opportunity to be prayed for towards that end. One of the great things, aside from burning up and losing weight and hot robes, is that you can grab hold of them when you come forward for communion. So when you come down, if you'd like to be prayed for, they're easy to grab hold of between the three of us, and we'd love the opportunity to pray for you tonight. And for those of you who have encountered and embraced Jesus, it's my prayer that we would grow to embrace him more fully, just like each and every character within the text this evening. Embracing him is a process not just a beginning that happens when we come to faith in Christ through the waters of baptism, but also one where we grow daily into the likeness of Jesus each and every day thereafter. The outcome of the faith is that we would be as Jesus is, growing in full stature and maturity as he would do on the days as we recount following this event. So embrace him more fully, not just alone in the words of Scripture, the Word made flesh, um, <clears throat> that it stands before us in the pages of Scripture, which illumines for us the revelation of God every time we open it. But also find those times in community, which we need more now than ever, to encounter the Word made flesh in the pages of Scripture each and every time we gather together as the Holy Spirit lifts those things off the page to further reveal Himself to us or spur us on. So that perhaps, like those shepherds, um, as we go and gather with others, we might see something afresh, or we might have something to speak into someone's life as we spend time in God's Word, gathering in His presence. We can embrace the incarnation as we, like all of those, then went forth to glorify God. Not just like those shepherds, but all thereafter in every generation, doing so certainly in times like these, as we gather um, for worship, but also that truly our lives would be such that we glorify him in whatever is going on so that the culmination of worship weekly is what precedes it in the six days prior. And then we embrace the incarnation as we grow like those shepherds did to share about our encounters with Jesus with others so that others may see from our lives a chorus that rings forth from our lips to tell what we have seen and heard to those around us. That's where our attention will turn in January as we look at that topic together. My friends, the point is this. Whatever your story is tonight, Jesus steps into it. He does so time and time again, and thanks be to God, he doesn't graciously wait until we're ready, but he allows us to encounter him wherever we are, and then deigns that we would be as he is. For that is the reason that he came into the world for the first place. So it's my prayer that you encounter him afresh, but you would also embrace him anew so that you might be redeemed, renewed, and reinvigorated for this season ahead. Come whatever may, because it's in embracing Jesus and holding fast to him that we pass through this life so that when we reach our journey's end, we don't reach a humble child, but a holy king who then reaches out and holds us in his embrace forevermore. I pray that this Christmas season would be one of an encounter and embrace in your households so that you might grow to know the peace 
and the love of God that can only be found through Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.